Amen. Christmas unwrapped. We've been unwrapping the gifts of Christmas uh, in this series. And of course, uh, very soon, the real presence will be unwrapped. Amen. We are excited about this evening. I know only the, the holiest and the most righteous people show up on the Sunday of Christmas Eve in the morning. God bless you. Because I know every one of you will be back tonight. Amen. In fact, come to all four. We're going to go to all four. You might as well join us. But it's going to be a great evening and afternoon. Four, six, eight, and eleven. It's going to be very special. And I know you'll want to join us for that. But today I have a text of scripture for this morning that comes from the prophet Micah. It's not usually a traditional reading on Christmas Eve, but I believe it's very appropriate. And from you, O Bethlehem, small among the clans of Judah, will come from me one who shall rule his people Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. May the Lord add his blessing upon this reading of his holy word. Help us to hear it and understand it, believe it, and then live in response to it. Let us be in an attitude of prayer, please. Eternal God, we stand in awe over today and tonight and tomorrow that you would deign to come down, empty yourself of all your glory and put on flesh so we could see the power of your love, and you would demonstrate it. Lord, for that we give you thanks. We are humbled by it. And, O Lord, I am humbled by this opportunity and privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these, my friends, and your servants, Lord, a task. I always need your strength to do it. I can't do it on my own. Lord, make me equal to it, please. So, Lord, please speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but to me, one of the the best things about Christmas, or the one of the most beautiful things, are the depictions of the baby Jesus. The depictions of Mary and Joseph and, and baby Jesus. It has a way of softening the hardest of hearts. When I served Pasadena Community Church in St. Pete not too long ago, there was a a great tradition on Christmas Eve, probably the highlight of Christmas Eve. Now, I know this church has a similar tradition, but it was when Mary and Joseph showed up at the Christmas Eve service at the very end. Everybody had their candles lit. Everybody was singing Silent Night. At just the right moment, the spotlight would hit Mary and Joseph and Jesus in that stable and in a manger. It was a glorious, glorious moment. Very sacred. But there's a rumor, there was a rumor that went around the church that we had tryouts to find the best baby Jesus in the church. (laughs) Now that wasn't true, of course. But there were some years when the church was really prolific, if you know what I mean. And we had a lot of babies, and it was very hard to pick the baby Jesus. Now, some kids were cuter than others, if you know what I mean. But it was very difficult. We love the baby Jesus. Baby Jesus, baby Jesus. Like Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights, we love baby, baby, baby Jesus. 
I know some of you were thinking that, so I decided to go ahead and say it. We love the baby Jesus. We love the baby Jesus. In fact, we love the baby Jesus so much. Did you know every year hundreds of baby Jesus figurines and nativity sets are stolen? Hundreds and hundreds across the country. In fact, there was a United Methodist Church not too long ago in Pennsylvania where someone stole the baby Jesus in front of the church and replaced it with the pumpkin. That was a wrong holiday. And there's another church in Arkansas. Get this, not only did someone steal the baby Jesus figurine, but the criminal took the concrete block and the chain that went along with it as a deterrent. It seems even criminals love the baby Jesus. And that's a good thing, amen, because they certainly need Jesus. We love baby Jesus. Of course we do. Babies are so darn cute and cuddly and we love holding them. I, I love holding them. In fact, next year in preschool, I'm going to sign up to hold those precious babies in the preschool, that nursery as they fall asleep. One of my favorite things to do as one of your pastors is to perform an infant baptism. Oh, I love walking that child all around the sanctuary and have you sing to that child and adore that child. It's so wonderful. In fact, so wonderful, it almost makes me want another one. Almost. <laughs> now, a colleague of mine has a friend named Helen who had a child later in her life, in her late 30s. She and her husband had prayed and prayed and prayed for a child, and the doctor said that it would never happen. But they kept hoping, kept praying, and then, like Abraham and Sarah of old, one day that baby came and they were so excited. And Helen remembers telling her colleague that first day in the hospital that she held her baby, her pastor showed up to visit and she said to her pastor, now pastor, I don't mean to sound sacrilegious, but I don't, I don't think Mary, the mother of Jesus herself, was more proud of her child than I am of mine. Well, of course. Every mother feels that way, and so does every father. I recall when my son Paul was born, oh my gosh, that was the proudest daddy in the world. I told everybody about it. I'm so proud of my son Paul. I love my son Paul, and many of you know it. He often makes the sermon, amen? I love every week almost. I'm so proud of my boy, but, you know, one time I was playing Golf with a buddy of mine and telling him how great my son Paul was going on and on about Paul. And then as he lined up his putt, he said, yeah, yeah, Charlie, well, come back to me when he's a teenager and then tell me how cute he is. <laughs> we know, Brandy and I know that day is going to come and we wish it wouldn't. We say, Paul, just stay six years old for like the next six years. Stop growing, please, because right now he actually likes us and thinks we're wonderful people and wants to be around us. But we know the day is going to come. Oh, that day is going to come when we're not his favorite people anymore. My colleague remembers going back to Helen, his friend, and asking her about her son now that he was a teenager. And he said to her, well, now that your wonderful boy is a teenager, do you feel still feel the same like Mary? And she said, no, 
Now that he's a teenager, when he leaves the house, I give serious thought to changing the locks on the doors. Yeah, babies are easier. They certainly are easier. They're so cuddly and cute. They don't talk back. They don't roll your eyes or roll their eyes at you. They don't demand an allowance. They don't ask for keys to the car. We are their world. But here's the challenge. Here's the problem. Babies grow up. Babies They don't stay babies. And that's the same thing with Jesus Christ. The problem is, baby Jesus is cute and he's wonderful, but baby Jesus does not stay a baby. Our text for today says it. And from you, O Bethlehem, small among the clans of Judah, will come for me one who shall rule his people Israel. You see, Jesus doesn't remain a cute, cuddly, warm little baby. Jesus actually grows up. And would you believe some people really don't like that? I recall in another church I served, I would have the same conversation with the usher in that church. He was a great usher. Loved this guy. One of those guys that worked for the church for 135 years. Was always there. Always faithful. But every single Christmas Eve, we would have the same conversation. He would look at all this huge crowd in the sanctuary and he'd say, preacher, he'd call me preacher. I guess that's what I am. Preacher, look at all these people. Why don't we have all these people every regular Sunday? He called them regular Sundays. Why don't they come back? Wouldn't that be great if all those people would show up every single Sunday? And I would always say, yeah, it would be great. Well, one Christmas Eve, I was not in a very good mood when he asked that question again. I wasn't in a very pastoral mood. Now, I know you're shocked I get that way sometimes. That year we had 35 services. (laughs) Volunteers didn't bother to show up. And at the end of one of the services, that same usher would say, Look at all these people! Pastor, why don't all these people show up every single week? Wouldn't it be great if they showed up every single week? And I looked at him, not in a very good mood, and I said, it would be great. But the problem is, baby Jesus grew up. If he didn't grow up, they would still be here. Now later, I would apologize to that usher. And say, I'm sorry I was short with you. He said, no, 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 you, you've got a point. You've really got a point. It's true. We all love baby Jesus in the major. That's the easy part. That's why we love Christmas Eve. I love Christmas Eve. It is by far my favorite service of the year. And I know that's true for many of you. I love Christmas Eve. It is so beautiful and so wonderful. It's going to be beautiful tonight. Be sure you come. And the place will be packed with people. It's wonderful. In fact, in most churches, Christmas Eve is the highest attended worship service in all the year. So much so, darn it, that the conference won't allow us to count it towards average worship attendance. Isn't that terrible? That's the worst. We get so excited about all these people in church. We do. In fact, over the years as a pastor, I have tried every trick in the book to get those people back or many of those people back. I have. 
I've tried stunts and tricks. I've gotten up on Christmas Eve before I preached and said, in January, I'll be preaching about sex. In January, I'll be preaching about politics. What? In January, I'm going to tell you whether or not Bigfoot exists. So come on to church. One church I heard about actually gave away a Lexus. They did. Christmas Eve, they had everybody fill out their name and put it in a, a jar. And they pulled the name out the first Sunday in January. But you had to be in worship to receive the Lexus. That's not a bad idea. I may talk to my finance committee about that, see if we can work that out this year. I heard about another church that said they were going to bring some celebrity to to speak that first Sunday in January. And then, get this, I heard about another church that advertised a preaching juggler. Can you believe that? A preaching juggler. Who would come and this is what he would do. He would, he had the Bible memorized and he would get up during a sermon and just juggle these balls and you could just call out a passage of scripture, Romans 8, 25 through 34, and he would repeat it verbatim. Pretty impressive, huh? Yeah. Sometimes those things do work, those stunts. Sometimes they work a little. Sometimes you will get some people back to church. But those stunts, those tricks, they don't often work like we wish they would. Because we all know when another regular Sunday comes around, that Sunday after Christmas, and we look out in the sanctuary and we see all that wax from Christmas Eve has hardened on the carpet and on the pews. And we look out and we see all those people or many of those people are gone. Now, why? Why? I mean, our, our worship attendance, thankfully, is, is growing and increasing every Sunday, and that's wonderful. But no church has Christmas Eve numbers every single week. Now, why? I mean, we have a great church, don't we? We have great worship. The music is fantastic. The liturgies, the prayers, the ministries. And every once in a while, a decent sermon is preached. Why? Why don't they come back? Well, the text tells us. And from you, O Bethlehem, small among the clans of Judah, will come for me one who shall rule his people, Israel. You see, Jesus doesn't stay a baby. He turns into a ruler, a king, and not just any king, mind you. The kind of king that wants to rule our hearts and lives. The kind of king that makes demands of us. The kind of king who, quite frankly, calls us to do some things that we wish he hadn't called us to do. So I don't blame many of those folks for not coming back. You know, I have preacher colleagues who get all upset when they see the big crowd on Christmas Eve. I don't know why, but they get all upset I remember one of my colleagues said, and I advised him not to say it, but he did. He got up on Christmas Eve and said, well, I might as well say Happy Easter so you don't have to come back. Isn't that terrible? I would never do that for many, many reasons. It's not helpful or productive. I wouldn't do that. But one of the reasons I wouldn't do it is I understand. 
I mean, have you ever read, have you ever heard some of the things that this grown-up Jesus calls us to do? I mean, have you? I mean, mean, listen to this. You shall forgive not seven times, but seventy times seven. (laughs) That's a good one, Jesus. Are you serious? Are you serious? Really? Listen to this one. Love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. Really, Jesus? My enemies? Forgive my enemies? Are you talking about the terrorists in the world? Are you talking about my unfaithful spouse? Are you talking about that bully? Certainly there's a caveat somewhere, Jesus Christ. Certainly, Jesus, tell us there's a caveat. Give to the poor. Ah, come on, Jesus. I've got bills to pay. You know, and I'm, I'm working towards retirement. And someday I'd like to play St. Andrews. And I'd like to go to Aruba. And after all, aren't there charities and nonprofits who take care of people like that? Render unto God what is God's. Jesus, are you saying that everything is God's? And I have to give God everything? Really? You shall become fishers of people. Ah, come on, Jesus. Whenever I talk about my faith, people look at me like I have nine heads. I don't want to be a religious fanatic. Take up your cross and follow me. But Jesus, aren't crosses heavy and and painful and cumbersome? Can't we delete that cross part? Turn the other cheek. Ah, Jesus, that is not a formula for success. I'm not going to teach my children that. I don't want people walking all over them. Come on, that's no way to succeed. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Well, Jesus, if people were more lovable, I could do it. I mean, if people were as wonderful as me and voted like me, and had my same opinions, then I could do it. Yeah, that grown-up Jesus, he said all those things. You can look it up. We wish he hadn't, but he did. I, I have a colleague who one time was trying to shake things up in a sermon to keep people awake. I mean, you know, we preachers have to do that from time to time. I mean, this is harder than it looks, okay? And he was preaching on the parable of the prodigal son from Luke 15. And he knew that many people had heard that parable before and heard sermons on it before. And so he decided to do this, that he'd open the Bible and read it. But when he got towards the end, he would change the story to see if they noticed. And so that's what he did. He began to read the story out of Luke 15. And when he got towards the end, he said, and then the father, so proud of his elder boy, his son, threw a party for him. Because he stayed home and did what was right. And then during that party, the younger son came home from his escapades. And the father was so irate, he threw him into the barn and only gave him bread and water forever and ever. And there was a pause. And then there was an elderly lady in the very back of the sanctuary who called out, That's the way it should have been, preacher. Yeah, there are a lot of things that Jesus said we wish he hadn't said. 
There are a lot of things that Jesus has called us to do that we would rather not do. You see, the baby Jesus is the easy part. The hard part is when he grows up. And that's why, truthfully, many of us would rather Jesus stay a baby. But here's the truth. It only makes a difference to our lives if we let Jesus grow up. Christmas is meaningless unless we let Jesus grow up. Because here's what I've learned. As wonderful as Christmas is, we will never find true peace just staring at Jesus in a manger. The only way we're going to find true peace is at the foot of the cross. Michael Brown was for many years the the pastor of Marble Collegiate Church. Maybe you know that name. It was where Norman Vincent Peale preached for many, many years. But Michael Brown had a childhood hero. Just loved this man. It was his father's best friend. Brown would say he was the, the gentlest, kindest man he had ever known. Well, he passed away. Michael Brown was devastated. But then his dad said, I want to tell you a story about your your hero. The man was actually a pastor. And he said, one time he told me, he confessed to me, he had a terrible childhood. He had a stepmother who couldn't stand him, would abuse him emotionally and physically. I mean, she was really dysfunctional. And sometimes she would lock him in the backyard, shut the back door, lock it, and wouldn't let him come back in. And he would knock and yell and scream, and he would apologize, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, even though he had no idea what he was apologizing for. But the lights would go out, it would become dark, and that door would never be unlocked, and he would just curl up like the family dog at the back door. The next morning... She would wake him up and say, it's time for school and we don't have time for breakfast and you better not be late. He said, that's how your hero lived his childhood. And yet, this man was able to grow into the nicest, kindest man, a pastor of some distinction in the United Methodist Church. But would you believe that same pastor, when his stepmother got older, She got a debilitating illness that rendered her bedridden. You know what he did? Because her kids wanted nothing to do with her. He moved her into his very house under his roof and took care of her and loved her until the day she died. And Michael's dad said when he heard the story, Are you serious? I mean, why did you do that after the way she treated you? And he said, oh, I didn't do it for her. I come to the place in my life where that bitterness was too heavy to carry. And I knew the only way I could get rid of the pain is by getting rid of the hate. And then he said, besides, I was convicted that I could not get up and preach about love if I was not willing to love the unlovable. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? That man didn't just stay looking at the manger with Jesus. He actually let Jesus grow up. 
and followed him and lived out what Jesus taught. And by doing so, he found peace in his heart and meaning for a lifetime. And from you, O Bethlehem, small among the clans of Judah, will come for me one who shall rule his people Israel. You see, church, Christianity is simply not a a faith we profess. It is a life we choose to live. To live as Jesus lived. To love as Jesus loved. To serve as Jesus served. To allow Jesus to grow up and follow Him. So why do I preach this message on Christmas Eve morning? This challenging message. Because the question is not, are you ready for Christmas? The question is, when Jesus comes, will you let him grow up and follow him? Will you live on the other side of Christmas? We'll never find peace until we do. And this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, this time of year is glorious. But help us to see it's just the beginning. The only way its message, Lord, becomes real and true is when we live on the other side of it. By letting your son grow up. And following him. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We thank you again for worshiping with us this morning. And we look forward to seeing you again this evening. Again, it's going to be glorious. So do join us. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you, both now and forevermore. Amen.